I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAV. I appreciate you joining me today. Uh... Get straight into some quotes of the day, but we're going to get into it. It appears that the Ukraine war is winding down, doesn't it? There, there are some great memes out there. Was it Kissinger who said the only thing worse than being an enemy of the United States is being a friend of the United States? Uh, we've seen this in in many places. You know, remember Iraq was our friend when we were trying to keep Iran in check until he wasn't. Moar Gaddafi was our friend until he wasn't. Uh, This happens over and over again in Ukraine. It looks like it's next up on the hit parade for for America just dumping somebody cold turkey. There there was a video of uh, Zelensky asking, he said, well, if you you don't have the money, can you at least extend us some credit? (laughs) I, I, I don't have the clip. I should have, I guess I should have, got, I, to be honest with you, when I first looked at it, I thought it was a deep fake. But then I looked and the source was like Bloomberg News. So I assumed this thing was real. You know, Zelensky is widely reported to be a cocaine addict. And if you watch that video of him pleading for money or just some credit, just a taste, <laughs> he he looks like somebody who is... Who is Jonesing? He look. He has the desperation of somebody with an addiction. No insult intended to people who have actually struggled with an addiction. You're a far better person than Volodymyr Zelensky. Understand. But uh, things not going well for him. But I wanted to put a little bit, if the Ukraine war is actually about to wrap up, I want to put it into a, just a little bit of context. We'll do that uh, in just a few minutes. Starting out with some quotes of the day today. Doug Casey, I've said this so many times, Doug Casey said, quote, the thought of how far the human race could have advanced without the government simply staggers the imagination. I think it was last week I did a show just saying, you know, there's so much beauty in this world, so much friendship and love between people, even strangers helping each other out. You see a storm or a tragedy happen and people rallying together. I believe that would be the norm if we were not divided by the psychopaths uh, that run governments throughout the world, not just here, everywhere else. The thought of how far the human race would have advanced without the government simply staggers the imagination. That's Doug Casey. Got another one I, I ran across. If you if you notice, I ran across a trove of Doug Casey clips. You can look him up. He's a very interesting guy. He does uh, a, a blog, I believe, called International Man. Another quote from Doug Casey, quote, Throughout history, government has served as a vehicle for the organization of hatred and oppression. 
benefiting no one except those who are ambitious and ruthless enough to gain control of it. I think people are starting to catch on to this, but I, I, I temper my optimism on those things knowing we're heading into an election year where everybody will rally behind their tribal leader and act like it matters. Somebody, James, had sent me a story just before I recorded this show, and I haven't even looked at it yet, where it basically says, put down the Kool-Aid people, voting's not going to help you. I think we're past that, and, and more on that later, too. Uh, Charles McKay, a quote from Charles McKay that I've read before, he said, quote, people, it has been well said, think in herds. It will be seen that they go mad in herds while they only recover their senses slowly and one by one. That's what my show is here for. I'm helping people regain their senses one by one. My show's not great for a tribal setting, is it? But when I've got you alone in the car or at home and it's just you and me, if I can just inject some thoughts, I hope that I can pull you back from the madness and insanity of the herd. And then I wanted to wanted to comment on this real quick. I saw a meme. It's put out by a conservative Twitter account, Wall Street Silver. And they, t- they titled this thing, uh, it says, Are college students today paying for their own indoctrination and doing it with student loans? Here is the meme that uh, they posted with that comment. It says, Modern education, creating people who are smart enough to accurately repeat what they're told and follow orders and dumb enough to think this makes them smarter than everyone else. And it's a picture of a graduate holding up the diploma in their graduation cap and gown. And I would imagine that's probably uh, fairly popular for people to believe that. We, we certainly have seen the indoctrination in schools, but it seems to imply that the woke nonsense coming out of the schools is creating a bunch of obedient followers, which I'd agree with. But does the right think it only applies to the left? The, the right has been, myself included, remember, I am a former neocon, Kool-Aid-drinking Republican uh, the right is probably the most obedient group in the country. And are the right not guilty of just repeating what they've heard from their political parasite class, pro-war because John McCain, Lindsey Graham, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo told you there was a bad guy out there? Right now, many people on the right are following the lead of these kinds of neocons, including Hillary Clinton, to a mass murder of people they've never met, and potentially leading us into World War III. It is the right right now that is calling for censorship and cheering laws that say you can't even personally boycott Israel. This has been going on for years. You can boycott anyone or any other company or any country or any individual, but it is the Republican Party, the GOP, that cancels people opposed to the Israeli government, not opposed to Jewish people, not opposed to Judaism, but if you dare to boycott the government of Israel, the Israeli government, it is the Republican Party and the GOP that has passed laws in, I don't it's like 13 states or something where you, you can't have state contracts. They will cancel you. And, and we've got people on the right as well that have committed to a drug war that makes tons of money for the managerial class. While people suffer, it does not work. It's this failed drug war that goes on decade after decade and has resulted in what the rights cheered on is a militarized police, while at the same time they're saying, well, we're (laughs) pro-freedom. 
and then worshiping the enforcers of the state. I mean, I, I, my point is, uh, the to the meme's point, absolutely, the schools are bastions of indoctrination, but is not our whole society on both sides not just massive indoctrination? You know, I, I, I bring this up so many times. But it's, it's not the just the left. It's the left and the right that dutifully obey every year and unquestioningly <laughs> send the government half of your income when you add up all of the taxes you're paying without a peep. And the, the fighters in on the right that I've seen don't ask to abolish the IRS and the income tax. Instead, they want to just create a fair tax or a flat. They still want to be robbed. That's indoctrination. That's a result of indoctrination. And see, I, I know these things. You know, it's not just the left that's guilty of being indoctrinated and repeating what they heard from people and then acting like they're smarter than everybody else because I used to do that. That used to be me. I can actually remember that was me. I would go out, I would wake up Sunday mornings, and I think at 9 o'clock, Britt Hume would have Fox News Sunday on. It might have even been before they had the 24-hour fully dedicated Fox News channel, or at least it wasn't widely available anywhere. So I'd catch my one or two hours of Fox News on Sunday mornings where I would see Britt Hume interview Trent Lott, Newt Gingrich, and I would take those talking points that they said on those Sunday shows, and I would use them all week. And boy, did I think I was smart. I thought I was the most informed person that I knew because I let some of these Congress critters convince me that they were on my side and that I needed to carry away. It's, it's embarrassing. It is, it is so embarrassing. The only reason I can live with the embarrassment of parroting the talking points of Republicans in the 1990s the only way I can live with that is that I don't do it anymore and haven't for 20 years. That I actually did wake up to it. So there's certainly indoctrination going on in the schools, but if anybody believes it's just the other side that's indoctrinated, I am a free thinker. <laughs> i got to tell you, I don't, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see a lot of evidence out there. I'm sure I'm... I'm affected somehow by some level of indoctrination. You know, I, I try to look in myself all the time and say, why am I so obsessed with being a free human being? Why am I so opposed to the government invading my, my life at every nook and cranny and stealing money from all of us? Why am I so obsessed with that? Have I been misled somehow? Am, am, I, wrong to, <laughs> am I wrong to not want the government in my life? Has somebody tricked me into believing that I should be a free human being? And every time I think about it, I think, no, I think that's what God intended. I think God intended, and I think the success of the United States was based on a bunch of people who wanted to try an experiment where the government was out of your life. You got to just go out there and kind of do your thing as long as you're not hurting anybody else. And boy, have we lost the plot on that. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Because the vast majority of people seem to believe that they'll talk about freedom on the right and the left. You know, the left wants their freedom of speech all these years. Well, until it comes to COVID or it comes to Black Lives Matter or it comes, you know, we saw what they did with censorship. The right, oh, while the left was trying to censor you, said, oh, we are, we're against this big tech censorship. And then as soon as something breaks out with Israel, the right is saying, you can't say that. You're an anti-Semite. You hate all Jews. So, I don't know. I, I feel, like, 
to myself, like, college is not the only place people are being indoctrinated. A lot of people who never attended a, a single class are not thinking for themselves and being led by some of the worst among us. All right, when I come back, you're going to talk about Ukraine. I want to put a little bit of perspective. If the Ukraine war is ending, and it seems like uh, we've, we've decided to move on. You know, there's that meme out there where it's the guy and the girl that are walking down the street, and you see the guy turn his head when another woman walks by, and people will use this meme constantly, put different labels on it. And basically, it's, it's, it's the U.S. and Ukraine holding hands, walking down the street, and then the U.S. turns its head to look at, look at Israel. And the woman just looks incensed. That really feels like it's, I think we're about to break up. I think we're about to break up with Zelensky. And you know what his best bet is? Zelensky's best bet, I think, at this time, because I don't know if he's, he may be watching, looking at old news clips of what happened to Gaddafi when we decided to turn on him, sodomized to death in the streets. But Zelensky's best move would be probably to seek asylum in Russia. <laughs> I bet just to stick it in the eye of the West, I bet Vladimir Putin would allow Zelensky asylum in Russia. Probably not without any consequences, but if he'd end this stupid war and put in a pro-Russian or at least neutral government in Ukraine, Putin would probably do it just to troll just to troll the West. It might be his best move. But I wanted to put a little bit of context. There's a lot of people out there that were cheering for this Ukraine war. They don't want it to end now. They want it to keep going. But the damage that it's done already, I'm going to put it into a little bit of perspective. Uh, we'll, we'll see if it lands. We'll do that when I come back. Stick around. I was born a shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand You know, for most people, if somebody came up to you and said, I need you to give a two-hour speech every week, you would probably just think to yourself, what in the world am I going to talk about for two hours? Now, we do have commercial breaks here for our great sponsors, so it really ends up being about 40 minutes. I've got two days, so I'm doing, you know, about an hour and 20 minutes, actually, of, of content. But it is amazing how fast it goes and how much I leave on the leave unaddressed on the show. I just don't have time to get to it all. The kill switch on the cars that Thomas Massey led the fight against, which was unsuccessful. 2026, they're going to put kill switches on our cars? Are you kidding me? Good luck with that, car dealers. I predict 2025, should car prices come down to some sane level, is going to be one of the biggest sales years for new cars uh, of all times. Because I'm not buying a car with a kill switch in it. Man, just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And, uh, you know, what was it, 19 Republicans broke ranks and voted for this thing with the Democrats? You Democrats, what happened to your civil rights? You're, I mean, you used to be such champions of civil rights because you were treated so unfairly, and now you think the government's your buddy. Holy cow. Well, Thomas Massey, again, he, he led the led the charge to try to end this thing, but it's just not doable with the federal government that we have right now. They want everything. So I wanted to, uh, let's, let's go ahead and talk about Ukraine. It, Ukraine was going to lose this war from the very beginning. 
I think I was certainly on record saying that. Now, I didn't know how much NATO would get involved or the United States would get involved, but it was, there was never a contest, regardless of how many weapons and how much money the U.S. sent, Ukraine could not go against Russia. All the media telling you Russians are poorly trained and they have bad morale, it was just never true. Now, I don't know what the morale is, but Russia is a powerful military. And, and I will say it again, Russia's a very powerful military with a $60 billion a year budget. I want you to think about that. Every single time someone tells you, we got to stop Russia now because they're going to march through Europe and take everything. Really? On $60 billion? We're spending $850 billion on our military, and we're scared of a 60... Maybe we need to focus our... Maybe we need to hire some Russian efficiency experts at the very least. I mean, we took Nazi scientists after World War II in Operation Paperclip. Surely we can take some Russian efficiency experts after the Ukraine war. But Ukraine was always going to lose the war. The counteroffensive was absolutely really nothing. Um, but it's now being talked openly about by Ukrainian officers. They're talking about Vladimir Zelensky being unhinged and unwell and delusional. The U.S. media, this is the big telling part, the U.S. media started to talk about it after they have lied to us for two years now about the progress and the prospects of Ukraine. They're now talking about it. And this, so this was always the way it was going to go. But I want you to just think about this, and in particular, this should hit home for the Mississippi listeners out there, because you had some real champions for the Ukraine war in Congress, most notably Roger Wicker, who wanted to put up a no-fly zone over Ukraine and shoot down Russian aircraft. Americans are not good about understanding war zone death. We've been too far removed from it for too long. Really? What? The Civil War is the last time we actually saw war in our streets where people died in large numbers. We had the one shocking incident, 9-11. We had a Pearl Harbor. Two false flags to get us into massive wars. But we're just, we're really armchair, we're, we're war spectators. And so we have had the luxury to just sit back and cheer it on in our living rooms, watching the mainstream media, especially Fox, on 65-inch televisions while they shovel poisonous food down our gullets. <laughs> But I want you to just think about this, this little exercise. And again, it was always going to turn out this way. Not only was it always going to turn out this way, it didn't even have to go on as long as it did. Remember that Zelensky and Putin essentially had a deal uh, that they were willing, a ceasefire, end of hostilities deal back uh, after about a month of the war. And it was the Biden administration and Boris Johnson from the U.K. that went over there and said no. They stopped a peace deal between Ukraine and Russia. And since then, uh, it's really hard to get the numbers. You know, what's very interesting is I see a lot of footage coming out of Israel right now. I mean, every day, reels and reels of footage of what's going on in Israel from the October 7th attack by Hamas to what went on today. You can pretty much get video. I've seen very little from Russia and Ukraine. And that, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's been some, some kind of aerial drone footage of a, a drone dropping a bomb on the U some really sad things. I've seen some Ukrainian military people die. I, I don't watch those videos. I can't watch the stuff from Israel. Even the the poor Palestinians who were taking it, I, the the Israelis that were killed. I, I don't want to watch that. I, I, I understand it's horrific. I don't need to see that. I think it's poisonous 
like to see those things. I don't hide from it. I know it's going on. I'm against it, but I don't have to see it. I don't want to see somebody suffer. But right now they've got the number of dead Ukrainians and Russians appears to be, and again, it's very hard to get really get good information. They've not been reporting these numbers, so you kind of have to go to people who, who you trust. And I've heard anywhere from somewhere probably around 500 to 600,000 people are dead, mostly Ukrainians, mostly Ukrainian troops. And, and if I say that number, say 600,000 people were killed in the war uh, in Ukraine, nobody's really affected because it's just, it's such a large number, it just becomes a statistic. Now, if I tell you that some young thug in Jackson t- killed two people at a gas station, people can and they should get angry. And we would see the tributes to the victims, which humanizes them. But when you get to numbers of the hundreds of thousands of people, it gets no emotional reaction. It's kind of interesting. It's a psychological thing. Maybe it's almost a, a defense mechanism to think about it. But I thought about this in a slightly different context. And I want you to think about, you know, Roger Wicker's support for this war. I believe Cindy Hyde-Smith. I, I, we know Benny Thompson. And I believe Michael Guest was certainly, he might have spoken out against the money because that's popular in his district, but he certainly didn't. I, I didn't see him fighting to get us extricated from NATO and this ridiculous war in Ukraine. So, so I thought about using this in just a slightly different context as we are these armchair warriors or these armchair observers of war and just can't comprehend what does 600,000 dead people look like? And again, these are mostly Ukrainians. I don't hate the Ukrainian people. Not a big fan of the Nazis in Ukraine that are actually there, but I wish no ill will on anybody in Ukraine. I just want to see them have peace and live their lives and in harmony with Russia next door. But what would be a good mental illustration uh, of this? And so just imagine a fall Saturday in the South. We'll make it like late October. Or I guess we can just make it this past weekend. A nice, sunny, cool football weather day in the Southeast. But on this particular day of all of these football games, gunmen and soldiers move just quietly into every single SEC stadium hosting a game packed full of football fans. And these soldiers and gunmen go section to section of these huge stadiums holding tens of thousands of people, and they gun down every single person in the stands. They use machine guns, they use grenades, they launch rockets, and section by section in every single one of the SEC stadiums at Georgia, at Vanderbilt, at Auburn, at LSU, at Mississippi State, and Oxford. At every one of these stadiums, section by section, people are mowed down. And then you can imagine what that carnage looks like at the end of that operation. An entire football stadium full of dead people. Now, start thinking, how would that affect so many people within our area? How many people do you know that attend Ole Miss and Mississippi State games? LSU games? How many fans do you know that would be in those stands? How many moms? How many dads? 
How many brothers? How many sisters? How many sons? How many daughters? All of those people. And just think of the misery that would spread throughout the Southeast if every person in every stadium on an SEC Saturday was murdered, killed. You would know potentially dozens to hundreds of people. You'd know the children that they left at home. You'd know the parents that are going to grieve for the rest of their lives. You would know the whole scenario, and it would just be it would just be unbelievable. Now think of Ukraine, and it's mostly Ukraine, but it is also Russia. And we've had American politicians with glee talk about murdering Russian soldiers. I've got a clip from one of these ghouls that I'll play in just a second. But just imagine if that scenario of an SEC Saturday and everybody in every stadium dead. Just think about the carnage. That's what has taken place over the last two years in Ukraine. Something of that magnitude, with that many grieving people left behind, that much life snuffed out. People who could have been great, productive citizens might have had more children, would have raised families that would have been grandparents. All of the possibilities. This has just happened on a grand scale uh, in Ukraine and in Russia. And they have normalized this to us. As I said, the media doesn't even really talk about it. You're not going to hear these numbers come out. I mean, if, if they decide to dump Ukraine, you're not going to hear anybody come out and go, golly, boy, that was a big mistake. We lost about, you know, half a million, 600,000 people, and we didn't really get anything. Russia's going to still control Crimea, and they're still going to be an independent area in the Donbass. It's exactly what uh, Vladimir Putin was asking for before he ever stepped foot in Ukraine. Boy, oopsie. You won't even hear that. And yet that's the, if you can visualize that amount of death, that's what's taking place. And the same people who cheer that on are the ones that are cheering on what's going on in Israel right now. I will remind you of that as well. It is horrific what has taken place there for absolutely no reason. And just remember, this was done by Joe Biden and Lindsey Graham, Hillary Clinton and Roger Wicker, all war criminals. And not one of them will ever give it a second thought. They know you'll never give it a second thought. It's not the other side of the world. And hell, we've already got you cheering on for the, the next war that could cost stadium full of lives again. And Roger Wicker will come back to Mississippi. He'll get pats on the back from the, air quotes here in the studio, fine Christian conservatives because they can't even comprehend, won't even stop and think about the death that has befallen people who would otherwise be alive right now and just living productive, happy lives in Ukraine because he doesn't care. And so as this ends, and we need to, we need to realize how pointless this was because it won't be the last one. We know there were 500,000 children in Iraq killed in the 1990s because of U.S. and Western sanctions. And our Secretary of State said, yeah, we think it's worth it. 500,000 children. Think about every child you've ever known or met dies. That'd feel kind of tragic, wouldn't it? Because you know them, but when we're half a world away, it's just a statistic. Eh, half a million kids, brown kids, we don't know them. It's just, to me, it is mind-boggling. We, we all need some context, particularly, I, I might not even bring this up if I didn't see people, people listening to this radio station, I hear you call in to the other radio shows that are cheering for the next one. Already, 
And we're not even done with this first one yet. When I come back, I've got a great, great uh, clip of Elon Musk. Elon Musk understands the terrorist math I've been trying to explain to people for years. We'll do that when we come back. Stick around. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard, handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. What I want you to want, what I want you to feel, but it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So let go, I'm watching you, turn your back like you always do, face away and pretend that I'm not, but I'll be here because you're all that I got. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Um, you know... Uh, can, can we have just a moment of silence for the Tim Scott campaign? <laughs> you know, I started the show off by talking about indoctrination on both sides. Tim Scott, I'll be honest with you, he looks like he might be a nice guy because he looks kind of, I don't know, he, I, I'm not going to say it. He just looks like he might be a nice guy. He certainly doesn't feel like a tough guy. But this was, um, well, let me let me read this quote. <laughs> Someone named Laura Powell. She's an attorney. She's got Laura Powell Esquire as her handle. She says, I don't pay close attention to partisan politics, so this isn't a deep take, but I don't get the impression that Republicans are trying to win elections. (laughs) I guess that's in response to the shellacking that Republicans took last week, again. But this was, uh, this was the, the, I guess the last clip we'll hear from Tim Scott as a Republican candidate for president. We should make sure that the president of the United States states what is America's national vital interest in Ukraine. It is actually in degrading the Russian military. We've been very effective using our resources and our weaponry and the incredibly high price of Ukrainian blood to achieve that objective. Every day we get closer to the degradation of the Russian military, and that's good news. Think about that. Within the context of what I told you before the break, he says, our, our goal is just to degrade the Russian military. Again, this is a $60 billion military versus our $850 billion military. But for some reason, we still need to re- de- uh, degrade Russia's capabilities. But he said, at the high cost of Ukrainian blood. Probably half a million Ukrainians dead. A f- a f- the entire SEC Saturday stadiums full of Ukrainians, every one of them dead. And uh, this is Tim Scott saying, yeah, it was worth it. We degraded Russia's military. And I don't even think that's the case. Probably ended up being great training for the Russians. It's kind of like a, like a boxer taking on, you know, somebody who's not at all in their league, just kind of a tune-up fight. That's probably what happened. But just think of the what a ghoul Tim Scott has to be to say, Oh, yeah, well, we our goal was just to degrade their military. I mean, they weren't using their military to do anything to anybody else. Russia wasn't invading other countries, but we wanted to suck them into Ukraine so we could degrade their military. That's ah, half a million dead Ukrainians. What do we care? Rest in hell, Tim Scott, with your campaign. Holy cow. Uh, you know, when it comes to I don't care if it's Russia or if it's the Palestinian people, the, the math is the same. And I've done this uh, before, talked about terrorist math. And uh, Elon Musk was on, I think this was on Lex Friedman, the Lex Friedman show. But anyway, uh, it, might, it might be somebody else. I apologize. I don't, I don't know. I didn't see the whole interview, but this was interesting. Uh, Elon Musk understands terrorism math. And you can think about this, too. I would imagine the same thing could be said. It's probably 100,000 Russians that have been killed in this war by American weapons funded by Americans and NATO 
What do you think the relatives of those dead soldiers think today? I mean, you really have, if, if you're not going to just outright commit genocide like against an entire people which obviously would not be acceptable to to, to uh, really shouldn't be acceptable to anyone um then you, you're going to leave basically a lot of people alive who subsequently you know hate israel so really the question is like how for, for every hamas member that you kill how many did you create mm -hmm. and if you create more than you kill you've not succeeded that's the you know the real situation there um and it's safe to say that if you know, um, if you know, if if you kill somebody's child in Gaza, you've you've, you've made at least a few uh, Hamas members who will die just just to kill an Israeli. That's the situation. And I don't know why that's hard for people to understand. I honestly don't. Now, I've done the comparisons of China invaded the country. And, you know, I've, I've done these things before. If they indiscriminately bombed and killed a bunch of your relatives, would you want to fight the Chinese or would you acquiesce and go, okay, well, they're much stronger than us. We need to, we need to be friends with the Chinese. We, we can't dare oppose them if they killed your child. I, I, I don't know why that math is difficult for people, but for some, some it is. Uh, this is another clip. Another clip of another former uh, IDF, an Israeli Defense Forces soldier, uh, talking about his time in the service. I've done a few of these. Here's another one. I served in the West Bank and in the Special Forces unit that I was in for eight months. And I really uh, thought that this thriving Jewish society in the land of Israel was something that I needed to be part of. And I knew that all of that was only possible because Israel had a strong military that mm -hmm. had defended it time and time again. Um, that started changing when I was actually sent into the West Bank to mm. protect settlements. And I began to understand that they were slowly expanding, taking over Palestinian land. And did you approve at the time of the expansion or not? I think before I went in, I approved of it. When I saw what it actually meant, and I saw that we were just imposing a military uh, uh, regime over Palestinian civilians, I began to question it. You've written very movingly about your experience and your conversion, if you like, um, when you were, after you were in Gaza as an IDF soldier. Just tell us about what it was like to do house-to-house -house combat in Gaza. When I was sent in, uh, we were told we have to provide this perimeter for uh, the engineer corps to demolish uh, attack tunnels that mm -hmm. had gone into Israel. And we were told that uh, all the civilians had fled. Uh, it wasn't true. There was a family that we found in the, the second neighborhood we went into, in uh, the Albura neighborhood of Bet Hanun. Even though we were going into every house with live fire, they managed to understand that this was an innocent family, and they mm. didn't harm them. Uh, they gave them food and gave sure. them water, and they guarded them for many days. Um, but I found out this actually later. Uh, when we pulled out, the Air Force just flew over that neighborhood and bombarded it, mm. uh, and, and, and they were killed. That family? That family, yeah. All along you were told by your commanders that this was to eliminate the Hamas threat. You and know, how did that work out? Not only did we not eliminate the threat, but actually Hamas got stronger in many ways because of our efforts. What I learned was that my government uh, facilitated the transfer of hundreds of millions of dollars, which went to Hamas from Qatar, 
And also, uh, at the same time, we try to defund and delegitimize the Palestinian factions and Palestinian organizations mm. that recognize international law, that renounce violence. And, and recognize are, the state of Israel. And recognize Palestine. the state of Israel and are yeah. willing to negotiate with the so state of Israel. So why were they doing that, do you think? What has been written and what has been stated openly by even senior members of this current government, including Netanyahu, um, is that they considered uh, Hamas to be an asset. And uh, because their ultimate goal was to not to defeat Hamas, their ultimate goal was to prevent the creation of a Palestinian state. Mm. And it was actually convenient and useful to have the Palestinian leadership split. <sighs> I'm not laughing to, to laugh that it's funny. It's just amazing to me to see people that are falling for this stuff again. Peter Joseph, one other quote of the day real quick. He said, quote, the true terrorists of our world do not meet at the docks at midnight or scream Allah Akbar before some violent action. The true terrorists of our world wear $5,000 suits and work in the highest positions of finance, government, and business. That's Peter Joseph. And you'll find them behind every single one of these terrorist groups. You'll find them behind all the funding of these terrorist groups. And yet it is the little people, you know, when, when you stop and think about the terrorist math and the carnage that has taken place uh, in Gaza right now, and, and you may agree with it, what Hamas did was despicable and, re, and deserved a response, but if every single dead Palestinian creates just three, three new terrorists wanting to lash out at Israel, then they are right now, what, what are they, around 35, 36,000 new terrorists, new Hamas members? And this math works in every single one of these conflicts. It's just, it's 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 hard to watch and not see how people can't catch on to this stuff. Uh, a couple other election things when we get back. There was one other person that came out as the star at this past GOP debate, which is over a week old now, but I didn't have time to respond. I didn't watch the thing. You understand? I had a Thursday show, but there was no way I was watching a GOP debate was anybody? Did anybody at all in the Republican debate address the real elephant in the room? And by that, I mean Chris Christie. <laughs> I, I, I don't even want to talk about Chris Christie, except that I've been wanting to roll out, before he drops out, Chris Krispie Kreme. Have I, have I used that term yet? This blood-soaked warmonger, uh, Chris Christie. He is the true elephant in the room, <laughs> but I'll talk about the person that apparently won that last last debate and have a piece of advice about him when we come back. Stick around. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who all right, I've only got a couple of minutes left here. I have not independently verified this since I saw this tweeted out. So there was a District 114 in the state of Mississippi. You know, I've had my suspicions on why the Republicans don't go after election fraud. You've noticed that it just continues to happen and seems to just keep getting worse. And we think, wow, the Republicans keep losing because of it, but probably not the important Republicans that have their seats guaranteed, right? They must be using the system too. So the Libertarian Party had a candidate in the 114th district. His name was Casey Whitehead. 
And this shows that with 74% of the votes counted, Casey Whitehead, the Libertarian candidate for District 114, had 2,216 votes, or about 64%, to Jeffrey Geis, who only had 1,217. So remember that number. The Libertarian candidate had 2,216 votes with 74% reporting. And then they show a screenshot of this with 95% reporting. The Libertarian candidate went down to 686 votes. And the Geist, the Republican, ended up winning 82% with 3,167. So somehow the Libertarian candidate, at least looking at AP results with 74% reporting, uh, lost somewhere around 1,600 votes. I'm not saying lost by 1,600 votes. I'm saying 1,600 votes that were tallied for him at one point just went missing. I'm telling you, I smell a rat. These Republicans, they're using this system just like anybody else. I'm about to run out of time, but Vivek Ramaswamy, he had some killer lines. I got to tell you, he made that, he made for some good clips. That's all I saw from that Republican debate. I'm not going to watch those warmongers uh, up there talk about ridiculous things, more pandering. But Vivek, he, he kind of broke the mold. He was the Trump at the non Trump debate. I still think it's interesting that Donald Trump will not debate. Because a lot of Republicans sure want a Delbert Hoseman debate. They sure want Michael Guest to debate. They always think everybody's chicken. But when Donald Trump sits out, what, three now? Well, Mike, he doesn't need to. It could only hurt him. Okay, well, that's the same argument that Delbert used. It's the same argument that, that Michael Guest used. It just it feels a little hypocritical. But I'll tell you right now, if I was a Republican... I have not been since 2003. But if I was a Republican boy, I would line up behind Vivek. And I don't necessarily, I, there's a lot of things about Vivek I don't like. He's got some policies, particularly sending the military into Mexico for the drug war. It's just one of the dumbest ideas ever. And I don't like everything he said on Israel, except he is a non-interventionist. He may be the only one running for the Republican nomination, but he's a person of color. He's smart. He knows more than 150 words. If I were a Republican, I would be lining up behind Vivek for sure. He's the guy who I think could possibly win it. Now, everyone will say, well, Mike, it doesn't matter. It's all rigged anyway. Okay, then why bother supporting any of these people? Just drop out. Save yourself the aggravation. It's, it's a weird thing where people are captured by the system at the same time they have no faith in the system. So if you lose, if Trump loses... It's going to be election interference. But I'm telling you, Vivek, he's smarter than Trump. He could probably cross-party appeal more than Trump. He's a dude of color. I'm just saying, if I was a Republican, the choice would be clear for me. That's all the time I got for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Bye-bye. Streets know you, and when it's time to handle business, then we know what to do. Me and my crew, we stay true.